92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. The rumors continue about. We have more intel. We have more reports to comb through. Who are the Hornets going to take number two overall? That will be the discussion for the next two days. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Tell us your thoughts on the NBA draft because it's coming and it's coming quickly. 704-570-9610. That is the number to text. 704-570-9610. No more Shroppy. We sent him off in style yesterday. Fiddy is back after spending a, an entire week with Kyle Bailey and also spending yesterday with the one, the great Roy Williams, watching his little brother at basketball camp and getting to meet his idol. Man, it was a busy week for you, busy weekend, getting to take the day off and meet Roy Williams. I would ask if you missed us, but I can't believe that you would miss us despite all of the uh, experiences that you had last week. You know, I would have thought that coming into the studio every day while I was in the afternoon last week would have made it known that I missed you guys. And by the way, because I was gone for six shows, I thought of the perfect way to announce my return to the middays. But why should I do it when Cam Newton can do it for me? Hey, Queen City, the king back. <laughs> that was good that I was thought, nice well when you said that i thought you were going to go with the arizona soundbite his first that's touchdown. what i thought too that's but what no, i thought was coming the king is back the the self-proclaimed king is back on the ones and twos move over shrop we have new royalty and it's the same royalty that you've become accustomed to here on weston walker so we'll see just what Fiddy's week entailed last week, but we do have to hit with some breaking news coming in from Jake Fisher. Let's go ahead and get off the bus. If you still remember how to drive, Fiddy, go ahead and open up the doors. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Jake Fisher going fishing. He knows a lot about, well, a lot of what the front offices are thinking in the association. Charlotte Hornets really no different. Here's what he has to write with new intel on the number two pick. Both Scoot Henderson and Alabama's Brandon Miller returned to Charlotte yesterday and worked out before Hornets leadership. That included current team owner Michael Jordan, who's agreed to sell the team to minority owner Gabe Plotkin and former Hawks partner Rick Schnall. You keep on reading. And Michael Jordan and Charlotte Hornets' decision, it looks like they might be going Brandon Miller here, Wes. While Henderson has impressed Hornets staffers with his size and explosiveness, Miller's perceived optimal fit next to LaMelo Ball seems to be too large of a factor for Charlotte to pass over. Miller has been considered the favorite of the Hornets for an office, sources told Yahoo Sports, and Charlotte appears headed toward selecting Miller after San Antonio crowns Victor Wembanyama as the number one pick on Thursday. Signs are pointing more to Brandon Miller. Wes, I'll give you the floor to give some of your thoughts before we start to talk about it a little more so. Well, for one, when you told me this before we got on air, man, it looked like when you were telling somebody goodbye for the last time and you could see in their eyes the pain and the tears that were getting ready to come, but they were fighting, holding it back. That's how you looked at me when you said that it uh, looks like the Hornets are going to take Brandon Miller. I'll cry on air today. That's fine. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think this is the choice that 
it's not surprising. We knew which two guys it was going to be. But uh, to me, I thought, I, no, to be frank, I'm not even going to sit up here and say I thought it was going to go one way or the other because I wasn't sure either. But this is the guy, prototypical NBA wing. When you look at the size, the shooting ability, I think that was big for him too. The Hornets didn't shoot the ball quite as well as they had the previous season. Um, and so I think that they wanted to add more shooting, plus the defensive versatility that he's shown. Talked about the pedigree yesterday with him going from being a McDonald's All-American to a first-team All-American. Now he's going to be a top uh, draft selection. I think it's something to be said there. So this pick makes sense to me, and now we'll just have to wait and see if they uh, see it through. Yeah, th- this is the first time that we've heard anything that I'm believing to the point where we're starting to lean one way or the other. And it was interesting because if you look at the Vegas odds, you can go to FanDuel, you can go to a few different websites, and they had Scoot Henderson as the favorite to be the number two pick. Now, this report really just came in within the last 20 minutes, I think. So it hasn't been in long. I haven't checked the odds since this dropped. Yeah, this dropped at 10.53 to be exact. So not even 20 minutes, just within the last 15 or so. So now I'm interested to see if the line has moved on Scoot Henderson being the number two pick. Here's my problem. You see fit as the reason as to why Charlotte is going to draft Brandon Miller. It's not because they think Brandon Miller is the superior prospect. They're not saying anything about Brandon Miller's skill set as to why that is the reason you're going with him at number two. Wes, this is the wording from Jake Fisher. Miller has been considered the favorite of the Hornets front office because of his perceived optimal fit next to LaMelo Ball, and it seems to be too large of a factor for Charlotte to pass over. That's my problem. If you are drafting based off of fit and you think Scoot might be the better player, but you think Brandon Miller fits a little more into a nicely put together puzzle. Additional basketball. Yeah. That makes me go insane. Yeah. You are at number two. You need to take a swing for the fences to get the best player possible. It doesn't mean I think Brandon Miller is going to be a bad player. Portland, I would have no problem with them selecting Brandon Miller number three. The Hornets, if they were at three, I'd have no problem with the Hornets selecting Brandon Miller at three. I also don't really have a problem if they want to select Brandon because they think he's the better player at two. But nowhere do we see that that is the case. It's the fit thing that gets me frustrated, Wes. How much does that get you frustrated if that's how they're operating? Let's go a little reckless speculation here. What if they had a little bit of a chat with LaMelo Ball. He was like, nah, I don't want another point guard up in here with me. What about that? All right. Not saying that that's what was said. Queen City, don't take this and run with it. Reckless speculation. That's what we do here. But uh, I think that they just felt like it, it, it is interesting, Walker, you say that because this is kind of the team that they have right now as far as the size fit in the backcourt with the Terry Rozier. Not much of a size difference as far as height goes now as far as just the sheer mass of the young man. Scoot Henderson definitely has an NBA body already. But yeah, that is an interesting wording. That's interesting wording as far as why the Hornets want to go with him. Uh, but I just think that this is a team that wants to go the more traditional route, I guess, as far as just you're a small forward, you're a shooting guard, you're a point guard, you're this, you're that. And then maybe some of the things that I'd spoken about some weeks ago, when you get the ball on a fast break, well, what if Scoot decides he wants to control the rock? 
or different things like that or initiating the offense. I think they just want to keep LaMelo Ball as happy as he can be. I think that also factored in, and maybe that's why we get some of the vernacular that we got. Well, what's also weird, too, is just trying to dissect this comment a little bit more. Jake says, while they've been impressed with his size, because one of the two biggest weaknesses people would point to with Scoot is that he can't shoot very well and that he's small. Well, we also got reports from Portland and Charlotte during his workouts that he was right at 6'4 in shoes, and we know the physique is there. We know as well-built a guard prospect that we've had in quite some time, probably going back to Derrick Rose, Mm -hmm. the last time you can go to someone that short with that type of physique. And also, we're getting reports now that he's taller. So if you're taking off one of these weaknesses outside of shooting – then this is really just positional fit, right? Because it's not about they really value Brandon shooting. Now, granted, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Jake Fisher was able to get every reason as to why Charlotte might want to go with Brandon, okay? I'm just going with the initial reporting here. If we are leaning towards one prospect and that prospect is Brandon Miller, I'm going to need more than what I've read. So now we have two days before we get to the NBA draft. I've been talking about how it's 50-50. It's what I had in the rundown, Wes. It's the first thing leading off next segment. Still 50-50 on who goes number two between Brandon and Scoot. What's the latest intel? Well, this is the latest, and this is what I'm reacting to. If you give me more reason, which I'm sure they will, that's fine. I just hope fit is not the overarching reason as to why you're drafting Brandon over what might be the better player in Scoot Henderson. Yeah, I mean, as I just said, this presents a lot of questions in my mind. I know my mind is definitely going to wander as far as, especially with them saying the fit. Were there conversations had? Were there things said that led to this type of thinking? I I wonder about that. But just if you want to look at it from a generalistic view, as far as just traditional guys and traditional positions and what they can do, I guess this is the way that they're thinking up there at the cable box. We've got a few text messages rolling in. Tell us your thoughts, 704-570-9610. Brian wrote in a couple of text messages. All I'm going to say is that they pick Miller. He better pan out because if he doesn't, boo, man, they will get roasted and deservedly so. I think the opposite is true, too. But it did seem like it wasn't 50-50 from the fans and who they wanted. It seemed like Scoot was probably the guy that was more the favorite. It wasn't overwhelmingly so. But I think you probably had more people in the Scoot bandwagon. Brian also said, how fitting would it be that Jordan would gift us with one more bust at number two before he finalizes the sell, which has been the joke going the last couple of days. TFB wrote in, Mello is going to be up and out of here in the next two years anyway with this loser franchise. Just take the best player. I can't stand this team. There are some expletives in the second part of this, so I will skip over that. But people are angry about this. 980 also said this, Wes. Mello hasn't done enough to have a say on draft picks, in my opinion, which I think is fair. The guy is real young. I value the best thing to happen to the second iteration, which is the draft pick of LaMelo Ball. Yeah, low bar, but also LaMelo's an all-star before he hits the age of 21. That's valuable for any NBA franchise out there. So it's okay to call him the best thing that's happened since this team came back to Charlotte in 2004 and hasn't had a whole lot of success. I still don't know if I'm going to LaMelo and saying, hey, do you want Brandon or do you want Scoot? And then him having an answer that dictates who I select at number two. This is as as big of a decision as the Hornets have had in how many years? 
I mean, when, the last time they chose number two overall, they chose MKG. It didn't work out, and people have roasted him for it since because, coincidentally, just based off who was in the news this week, Bradley Beal goes number three. If you miss on this, it does hurt you because there's not many times that you're picking this high in the NBA draft. Yeah, I think the main thing with Brandon Miller, the optics of the NCAA tournament are still on the fans' minds. I think if he had a great NCAA tournament, I don't think there would be much of an issue at all with the fans who do have an issue with this. So I think that's playing into it a little bit. And obviously, we can't avoid the elephant in the room, the trouble that he got into while at Alabama, the whole murder issue, the gun issue. I think that's also weighing on the fans' minds as well. So I think that there's... There's a gripe there if you want to say it for those reasons. But I think from a basketball standpoint, I think solely it's just a, what have you done for me lately? We didn't see a great NCAA tournament from him. And so that's, I think, what's sticking at the forefront of the fans' minds. But they can't forget that this guy was a first-team All-American. He did he did shoot close to 40% from three. He is six foot nine. Like He has a lot to like. So I think for fans to automatically be going the bus route this quickly – like that's 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 strong. I think I've always felt like you were making a good choice regardless of which one of these guys you take. Tell us what you think. You can continue to text in. We got a lot. We're going to try to comb through all of your messages. More Charlotte Hornets number two convo on the other side of the break. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There's a lot of angry texters calling Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan and a lot of the Charlotte Hornets front office an American idiot right now. That's how mad they are about this latest report with Brandon Miller. Scoot Henderson not looking like the guy they're going to take if you believe this report from Jake Fisher on Yahoo saying it does look like Brandon is going to be the guy after Victor Wembanyama is taken number one overall. Brandon is going to be the guy at number two. And then Portland has always been expected to take whoever's left over from Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. Now, one thing that is coming through a lot on the text line, Wes, is still people not believing this because the Hornets are tight-lipped. Yeah. They don't leak a ton of info. Traditionally. You have seen a lot of teams reportedly interested in trading up for Scoot Henderson. We had not heard a lot of teams really interested in trading up for Brandon Miller. But Woj has talked about how there have been teams looking to trade up in the last couple of days for the Alabama product. And he even said a lot of front office execs have Brandon Miller number two on their board. So the last couple of days, Woj has been discussing, yes, teams do value Brandon, even if it has been coming out just a little bit later. Here are some of the texts we're getting in. Showtime, he writes in that he's a fan of Brandon Miller. He says, Scoot is Markel Fultz. Brandon Miller is Jason Tatum. Wow. 813 said, will Brandon Miller even beat out Miles Bridges? If we are keeping Miles, 
dot, dot, dot. Maybe the fit is something he's alluding to there. Maybe that's a fit against Brandon because yeah. you do have some front that's court guys. And 813 said, I thought Miles was LaMelo's guy too. And so that's another thing. Maybe if LaMelo's like, hey, draft Brandon. Is Brandon going to be the future wing? But you can, you know, again, just like I don't, just to let y'all know it works messy, both ways. man. Just to let y'all know it works both ways for me. I don't want to leave Brandon Miller off the table because of fit, too. It doesn't matter. Gordon Hayward is going to be gone. Miles Bridges, you figure out a way to have both of them on the floor. You can do that. P.J. Washington, if you want to pay him 20 mil, 15, 18, whatever, you can bring him off the bench. Like, the fit doesn't matter for Scoot, and it doesn't matter for Brandon Miller. It just seems like people are more so saying it against taking Scoot, and that's all we've been talking about, that storyline for the most part. Doesn't make any sense to me. You got some? Oh, no, I, th- I thought you were uh, I thought you were done, but I was going to say that the fit does matter to me in, in ways because I feel like if you bring in a number two overall pick, then you, you're considering him a franchise player. That's how you view him. And yeah. So I think you should treat him as such, and I think you need to bring him in. And if he's ready to go, you play him, you start him, and you get him going – and I think if you bring in Miles Bridges, that can stagnate that because they play the same position. And Miles is going to come back with the mentality that he wants to get back what he lost and he wants to be an all-star and he wants to do all this stuff. Now, if you want to go the route of you're deciding, as I've been saying, decide on who your big two is, who your big three is. So if you want to go with the theory that Miles, LaMelo, Brandon Miller, that's your trio going forward. OK, that's fine. I can live with that. But if you're not sure and that's in flux as far as figuring out which direction you want to go, I think you need to give the young man every opportunity to come in and flourish from day one and not have to have anybody uh, in his position that's going to be taking minutes and shots potentially. Fit just makes my head explode. It, It doesn't matter to me at all whatsoever. Take the best player available. We can go to Golden State drafting for fit what they thought was the better fit going after James Wiseman instead of LaMelo Ball, and that was a bad pick immediately. It may not work out immediately. Escalate. It, it's it's not improving. Like Rookie improvement is not an escalator-type thing where every year they get better, they start out here, and then every single year they go better, right? It goes up and down, but James Wiseman and LaMelo Ball, that was pretty immediately a bad selection for Golden State, and they selected Wiseman because Kavon Looney was their best center at the time. But if they would have drafted LaMelo, think about how great their situation is. Things change so quickly in the NBA. Yeah, LaMelo is your guy right now. But if I even talked about how it's the fit isn't not only bad, it's also it's amazing. Like, I, I think it's a great backcourt fit. And so we can talk about that a little bit more so, too. Chuck T said there's a whole lot of fake fans out there because of anger from some of the fans. A meet might be somebody that he's writing in about because he wrote in. Me and my friends are all done with our season tickets if Miller is the pick. That's not what I'm telling you to do, by the way. Scoot is the better talent and much better in the locker room. We aren't going to support a person who brought a gun to a murder because it's just another turning of heads on off-court issues, which the Hornets are a little unique with dealing with this type of situation compared to Portland right now and other teams because James Booknight has had the arrest for DUI, multiple run-ins in that case. We know about Miles Bridges having a felony domestic violence charge and arrest last offseason. And now we have Brandon Miller, who is tangentially related to the murder of Jamia Harris. Not criminally involved, hasn't been criminally charged or arrested, but is related in some aspect. How big of a deal is that to you, that the Hornets are going to take Brandon and... 
you know, if if the reports are true, take Brandon and bring back Miles Bridge. You and I originally talked about this, and I just said just being a kid growing up in this town, it always feels like when we get a, a great player, good player, there's always seeming to be some type of caveat with it. And I said with Miles coming back based off what he did, and then with Brandon coming in here potentially off of what he did, I just said I think it's a bad mix. And that was another reason why I said keep one, not the other. So if you bring Miles back, draft Scoot. Because I just hate it for this city, this town, that every time you have to get uh, that you get a player that ends up being a stud for you or could end up being a stud for you, there's some type of caveat. Yeah, he's coming in, but he did this, but he did that. And for the PR to me, for the Hornets, with these two players potentially entering into your team next season, I, I just don't think it's a good look. Um, Basketball-wise, sure, both of these young men can play, but I just think Brandon Miller especially uh, talking about that, just the optics of it all, just trying to figure out the character of this kid, who is this kid, based off of this incident. And, yes, he didn't do the, the, the actual killing, but just the fact of the mentality. We talked about him bringing the gun just all of those things mixed up. It, it's interesting to me the more that he will be here if they take him, just getting to know him and figuring out what type of kid he is because that's the thing, too. We know a lot about Scoot at this point from reports, from stories, from things that we've seen, but it just feels like that Brandon's a little bit of an enigma, and I think that's what puts a little bit of a dark cloud over him as a prospect as well. Uh, Matt Greensboro wrote in, better fit is the worst reason ever to take a player. Ask Portland about it. Uh, Michael Jordan, 83, reference there. Bud Lightyear said, fit does not matter if you keep LaMelo. Myron Goodman going the other way, saying Walker shooting in today's NBA is a must. Brandon Miller is a better shooter than Scoot, and if that is the reason, I'm in. All right, well, we'll just take Grady Dick then. <laughs> I mean, what are we what are we doing? You have to have something a little bit more. You can't just say Scoot is not a great shooter. Don't take him. We've seen people get better at shooting before, and so that's why I, I dispel that notion. No, but Brandon Miller is a better shooter, and he is a six nine guy who can handle it a little bit, who is a great passer, who was good. In half-court situations, more so shooting from three-point range. Half-court at the rim, the, the numbers were, were pretty damn bad. Transition, Brandon Miller was good, though. So, Scoot, I think, would be great in transition. Brandon Miller also was good, so I don't think that's taking a huge hit. Uh, we'll continue, because a lot of people are writing in. I want to give people the voices out there. We're men of the people, I like to believe. Yeah, we are. We like to give the people what they want. 757, I like the idea of picking Brandon Miller big time. Look at the Celtics' big two. The Knicks big two, well, Jalen Brunson's backcourt. The Nuggets bigs as well, plus Gordon Hayward not going to be around much longer, plus more shooting is needed. Don't you think so? Or he's needed two, question mark. Yeah, I saw Nada put this out there too about Denver. So Nada is, uh, Nada Edwards, uh, producer of the Ion College Basketball Podcast, friend of the show. He talked about Denver switchy wings, how they had a lot of that. Um I mean, I'd, I'd argue their second best player was a backcourt player, but also you do have some switchy wings with Denver. Size does matter in the NBA. It does, no doubt about it. I do think Brandon Miller's defense might be a little overrated in my opinion. I don't view him as an amazing defender coming out of college. I think he gambles a lot. 
I think if we're talking about lateral quickness, he can stay in front of wings. But if you play him at the two, you want him to guard smaller guys. I think that's something he'll be a little more susceptible to. But that's fine. I, team defense is a little bit, a, a little for me, a little wonky as well. But yeah, there are people that like the size of Brandon Miller. And I will give you that. Somebody 6'9", coming in, putting him at the two, two guard spot, putting him at the three. It's certainly a perk for Brandon. I'm not going to deny that benefit. Yeah, and so I, I think that when you look at that, I, they see the guys around the league, as you just mentioned. They see the Celtics as big two. They see guys that are dominating in the league. And when you look at the playoffs, and it's it's wing players with some size for the most part that are the most successful or the leaders of championship teams. Now you look at the Nuggets, it is Jokic, but then you have Jamal Murray out there on the wing at the guard. Now he's not the biggest guy uh, in the book. You look at Miami, they had Jimmy Butler. So I think that this front office, they're just looking at the guys that are available to them and they feel like they want one of those guys and maybe Jason Tatum and, and players like him are the blueprint to where they're saying we've got to get one of those for us to get to the next level. Uh, Jay from Mount Holly, maybe people uh, people feel this way. Uh, he writes in, I've been high on Scoot from the beginning, but who is more valuable to a franchise? A 6'9 shooting guard, who could be the next Jason Tatum, or a 6'2, I'm guessing, point guard, he puts CG, who can't shoot, but could be the next Jalen Rose. I mean, yeah, those... Jalen Rose. Oh, yeah, I guess he meant Derek. I'm, I'm probably, yeah. he did say Jay Rose there, but maybe he does mean Derek Rose. If you believe Brandon Miller can be Jason Tatum, then okay. I'm not yeah, that, that comp I don't like. I'll admit that. I don't like that. Jason Tatum coming out of Duke had so many more tools in his bag. Like, he played like an NBA player. Covered him a ton for the ACC DN. Cut up so much tape with this guy. He played like an NBA player. You could tell he watched NBA players mimic the moves and went out and did them. Brandon Miller, like I said, he is a really good player, but Tatum had a lot of tools of his in his bag coming into the league. Yeah, I, I, I don't argue with the fact that the 6'9 guy out there on the perimeter that can handle and be a jack of all trades, I do not deny that is the most important and valuable archetype of player in the NBA because they don't come around all that often. I just don't think that he's the kind of guy that can break out break down defenders off of the dribble to the extent that Kevin Durant can, that Jason Tatum can, not even Paul George, really. I mean, I hope Brandon Miller can get to his spots. Paul George might be a better cop just breaking guys down off the dribble, not explosiveness, because Paul, well, I think he was in the finals of a dunk contest. If he didn't win it, he was close. But he doesn't have, I don't think we're going to see Brandon Miller in any dunk contest. They're not going to ask him, right? So, I think when you talk about that archetype of player, I just don't see Brandon reaching that. I think what you're much more likely to see from Brandon and even the ceiling, to me, I go with the easy Chris Middleton comp, who is a good player, who is a multi-time all-star. And it won't be a miss if Brandon reaches Chris Middleton type ceiling. I just think we're talking about somebody in Scoot Henderson who has all NBA level. And Chris Middleton is not going to be out here making any all-NBA teams. That means you're a top 15 player. Chris isn't a top 15. He's an all-star. He's a top 30 guy every year, which is very good. But I don't think he's going to be that guy. And so that's the reason I want to shoot for the fences here or swing for the fences and go with Scoot Henderson rather than Brandon. But we'll see what happens.
Yeah, shoot for the fence. I do sports talk radio. You can shoot for the fences, though, if you, uh, I guess, put the bottles up on them and try to do a little bit of shooting. Yeah, and I guess you could shoot, you know, like when you shoot for your goal or whatever. You know, I'm I'm shooting for the fences when I swing. That's what I meant. Yeah, I like uh, the the Chris Middleton comp is interesting to me, too. I think he's a little more athletic than Chris Middleton. He plays a very smooth style, and I think that's why he gets the Paul George comparisons because he's got that subtle explosiveness to his game. Uh, but the the Chris Middleton, I, I get it a little bit, and it does it makes a little bit of sense. But I like to think he's a little more athletic than Chris Middleton. I, I know uh, Smoke has been rolling with the Danny Granger comparison to who was good injuries wow. kind of took him out of what he was in the NBA. He was if you look up his stats, he was good. Yeah, and Danny he, Granger he just, was a good player. He just got injured. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it was with, with Danny. He was a good shooter as well. Uh, let's go to Jonathan Gavoni Sound of ESPN. He released a, a late mock draft alongside Jeremy Wu of ESPN. Both those guys doing good work throughout the draft process. Here's Gavoni talking about the difference between Scoot and Brandon Miller in this draft process. Christina, Scoot Henderson is the more physically gifted of the two. Six foot three in shoes, six foot nine wingspan, highly explosive with the ball in his hands, changes speeds ferociously, plays above the rim in the open court, shot, capable pull-up shooter, flashes of pick and roll, playmaking, defensive versatility. The upside here is significant as a lead ball handler. Now, Brandon Miller as as the more coveted archetype of the two. Six foot nine guard, uh, can play pick and roll, uh, passes off a live dribble, dynamic shot maker, versatile defender, uh, a year older than Scoot Henderson at, at 20 years old. Every NBA team is looking for a player like this in the Paul George, Jason Tatum mold. NBA teams scour the globe looking for players in this mold. Um, you know, very interesting conversation between the two of them at two for Charlotte. Jack wrote in scoot for the fences, by the way. I like that. That's out <laughs> of the globe. That's, though. that's what okay, I mean. He said for, for a guy like Brandon Miller. Yeah. Do you think they found him scouring and finding him in Tuscaloosa? <laughs> I sure hope so. I mean, the way that uh, they're talking about it, guys, you scour the globe for that was that was strong. Yeah, that's it's it's just we have six, nine guys out on the perimeter that also aren't Jason Tatum. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like those guys exist. Let's go to a Carolina player. Who's a really, really nice NBA player. How about Cameron Johnson? Cameron Johnson, fantastic shooter, excellent contract, good player, but also not Jason Tatum. I just, I just wonder if those comps exist in people's minds because when everybody wants to roll with why you should draft Brandon Miller, they immediately say, oh, this frame, he can be that archetype. Okay, but he could also be Cam Johnson. Yeah. That could be somebody they roll with. This ceiling is high, though. It's high. You have, to, you have to admit that. I mean, 6'9", shooting 85% from the free throw line, that tells you what type of shooter he is. Almost 40% from three. I mean, that is a lot to like. I'll no, say that. Sure. Yeah. I Yes. Brandon Miller is a good basketball player. I, I don't want him <laughs> to be, I don't want him to be the pick because of fit. That's my thing. No, I agree. I agree. And, and that's my biggest thing. All right. Let's go to the first Fitty Flash in a while. No more All shrimp right. in it. Knock like the hot. dust off that thing. Get out of here, Snoop Dogg. Welcome back, Alan Jackson. It's all right to be little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little pity. Why? All right, guys. 
It's a slow day outside of the Brandon Miller Report in sports. So we're starting our, our flash with a little bit of soccer. Oh. Lionel Messi will make his Inter-Miami debut on July 21st in a Leagues Cup match. Competition. Here's what's here's what's the most interesting part about this. They have tar they have set his target date for his debut. He has yet to sign his contract since leaving PSG, although that deal is expected to be finalized. And also Draymond Green, who has declined his player option and has mm. become a free agent, is wanted back by the Warriors' new GM, who said, quote, we really want Draymond back. What kind of market do y'all expect Draymond to demand? He was sided with LeBron. I think it was over in Paris. In doing, France. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, I expect contenders to want Draymond Green on their team and ultimately not be able to pay for him. So not the Lakers. I don't think the Lakers are going to be able to get him. No, I don't <laughs> think that. I think they'd much more be inclined to try to get a Chris Paul. But even Brian Windhorst on Get Up Today said the Clippers are the L.A. team to look at if you're talking about a Chris Paul acquisition, not the Lakers. Ultimately, I do end up thinking Draymond Green goes back with Golden State. I don't know. I said yesterday I think he's gone. I think him being in pairs with LeBron, that's a tea leave. I think that the Lakers are definitely going to make a play for him, and I think that's probably where he ends up. I think that hanging out with Braun and Paris, hmm. the optics of that, I just said, man, I think he's going to be a Laker. I think they're going to find a way to do it. Walker, they're going to go with my style. They might not be able to pay him what he wants, but they're going to have some stuff bubbling under the surface okay. to be able to take care of the bag. Do you think LeBron would be willing to play with a guy who in his past has – kicked men in their private parts. Aren't they hanging out in pairs? If he's willing to hang out with them, I'm guessing he's <laughs> I mean, willing. you're just hanging out. Well, no, this is true no. because Carmelo, he did not give a resounding yes to when Carmelo was looking for a team in his old age. He was like, oh, yeah, Carmelo's cool. But this cool. is different. <laughs> Draymond has that championship pedigree. Yeah. LeBron's competed against him. You know those guys like Kobe loved the guys that would compete hard against him and his teams. LeBron likes that. He wants that, and I think he's going to get that. All right, we have a campus corner to go visit the Diamond Deeks. They're out here rolling. Mm. Wes is going to grunt and tell you all about it next. Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say... They're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit up the text line 704-570-9610. Also, hit up those socials, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. Walker Mail now on Instagram and Twitter. What? What's changed since you've been gone? <laughs> I West, take a week off and you get on the gram? Yeah. That's right. West Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram and HTB underscore Josh on Twitter. And Instagram, check it out. And folks, Queen City text line, I'm about to set it ablaze. Max Preps put out their 
list of greatest programs, football programs, high school football programs, that is, by state. And I wanted to look on there and see who they would have for the Carolinas. And they had the Independence Patriots, winners of seven straight state titles. Chris Leak started it all. You know all the studs that played for them. Brad Hinton that was at the party, Walker, played for them. All right, so I want the text line. Let me know. Did they get it right? Is Independence the greatest high school football program in the history of this state? And who is the best high school football team that you have seen? Walker, what you got? I'm not going to have as much information as everyone else. I didn't grow up in the area loving high school football like that. But I don't know what other answer you would go with, right? Yeah, I mean, seven straight state titles, a 100-plus game win streak. It is hard to argue that. But you're going to get some West Charlotte. You're going to get some Richmond Counties. That pride is going to come out, and people are going to be talking crazy. So I guess guess maybe you can make some plays for Shelby. I know Shelby's Shelby's great, too. I know Crest has produced some decent teams, too. Yeah, Shelby, Crest, West Charlotte. uh, I mean, Butler and Mallard Creek. Those well, are fun Mallard programs Creek, for my, a while. My Cougars, you know what I'm saying? Vance or Chambers, whichever one you want to go with. But that's seven straight, man. That's hard to compete with. Well, how many did they win in a row? It was seven. Well, no, how many games in a row? Oh, it was like a hundred. I knew. Oh, they, it was something because I remember it was De La Salle that I think they were the first team that had the hundred plus game winning streak, and then Independence came behind with that. Oh, uh, we did get one. This is what sets off, okay? All of the answering oh, yeah, of that on. question. Seven oh four said yeah, they were also illegally recruited to a high school, and the coach was fired for it. So <laughs> salty and also talking about, a little, well, maybe not salty, but just wanted to bring that out before any other answers roll in. All right, so with that said, send in those sex, and it is time for the campus. Kona. Listen, the Diamond Deeks continue. It don't stop. We can't stop. Won't stop. LSU thought they were hot. Sent you back to the bayou to fry up some alligator and maybe put it in a po' boy. Okay. They led. They led into the seventh inning when Wake forced a pull. They scored a pair of runs on three walks. Brock Wilkin got an RBI single and a ground out. With the late inning comeback, LSU lost for just the sixth time in 49 games when the Tigers led after five innings. The big time play by Brock Wilkin at the plate where they got the stop there, where LSU could have taken the lead, was a championship play. Cam Manasi came on, smoked the Tigers at the end of the game like some ribs out there in the bayou, okay? It was an excellent game. Wake flexed its pitching muscles as Josh Hartle came out. Six innings, nine strikeouts, allowed just two runs on four hits, man. It was a big-time pitching matchup to start the game. Ty Floyd was cooking, and I was so glad when he got out of the game. But then Wake started to hit when the reliever came in, and then Wake's deep pitching staff came in and sealed the deal. Cole Rowland, Michael Massey had four scoreless outs before turning it over to Cam Manassi, and then he closed the game. The pitching staff recorded 13 strikeouts. They got closer to fourth in NCAA history for the most strikeouts in a single season, Wake can blow you out. Wake can win close. And you better have the depth in that bullpen to be able to get the job done. And you better score runs early if you want to beat this team because that's basically what Wake did. Ty Floyd came out. They couldn't hit him early. But once Wake started to get some timely hits against the reliever, made some big defensive plays, 
The pitching staff took them the rest of the way. All they needed was run one run ahead, and they got the job done. So now they will await the winner of the LSU-Tennessee matchup as they get closer towards a national championship. What do you think, Walker? Oh, it's been uh, yeah. My, my thoughts are that it's a very good, uh, a very good baseball team. How hard? How, no, well, just talking about a team like this, and and, well, and I've dropped the stats for you. How hard they are to hit. How great of hitters that they are. This lineup hasn't even got going yet as far as blasting home runs. Brock Wilkin has the only home run for the Deeks of the tournament. But how hard do you think they are to beat? And do you think last night's win is kind of just one of those propelling wins where you say this is a team of destiny? They've proven that they're extremely hard to beat throughout this entire tournament run. Here's my question. How much do you value them winning a game where you sweated it out the most on this entire run, right? They've been dominant in all of their games for the most part. I know they had the one-run game in the Super Regional. I believe that was at Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, both that World Series games and uh, where the last two games have been fairly close. Yeah, and this one came down to the wire where they had to rally. They had to score a run in the eighth inning before they got this thing done. And so I think... The fact that they've been able to win some of these close games and still come out on top, I think that's a big time. Because we talk about it for any sport. You talk about it in football, basketball. When you're dominant through the regular season, you're dominant in some parts of your run, but then you also show the ability to win some of these close games with all the pressure, with the drama being so filled in the eighth inning. I think that goes very well for Wake Forest. And it looks like this could be the team to do the first thing, um, to be the first number one seed to win it outright in what close to 30 years now incredible yeah and so it's great too the fact that they they talked about last night i don't know the exact statistics but it really bodes well for a team when they can maintain being undefeated because you go into it it's going to be hard to beat this team twice to knock them out and so i think that uh i love them winning the close games like i, I love it a lot because this is a team that they used to just blowing people out on the regular, and I just think it shows a lot when you talk about how they're able to just win games, finding ways to win, and that's what championship teams do. They find ways to win, and that's what the Deeks are doing right now. So the Diamond Deeks keep it going, and they keep balling. All right, so we talked about also Elliot Cadeau. A lot has been made about this kid coming in. Cole Anthony compared himself to Elliot Cadeau. And when you look at Cole Anthony coming out of high school, he was an assist machine too. At Oak Hill as a senior, he averaged a triple-double, around 19 points, 10 boards, 10 assists per game. Became the first player in history to average a triple-double at Oak Hill. But we know how his Carolina tenure went. Not the best, you would say. Four assists to three-and-a-half turnovers, 38% shooting from the field. Fitty, as our resident UNC fan here, does that worry you if Cole Anthony compares Elliot Cadeau to himself? No, because your opinion can be wrong. And 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 so can the comparison. Like when Cole Anthony arrived at Carolina, he was asked to be the number one player on that team because that was, let's be honest, that was a poorly constructed team by Roy Williams and his staff. Cadeau's coming in to be a piece, to just be a part of what Carolina wants to do this year. So, and I know that that Cole Anthony average triple double and all that stuff in high school. Was he the passer that 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 Cadeau is, is, is when he arrives? Like Cadeau's already a better passer today. Well, that's what I was trying to bring up. The fact that Cadeau is an assist machine coming out of high school. And so when I did my research and I saw, well, Cole Anthony was too, but he wasn't quite the same when he got to Carolina. 
And that's kind of the parallel I'm making is, will Elliot Cadeau get there no. and kind of follow in the same trajectory? I don't view them as the same player either. Like watching Cole Anthony come in, we our, our best moment, if you are a Tar Heel fan, the best Cole Anthony moment was the first ACC game of the year against Notre Dame. Opening night. Where he goes bananas. What does he go for? Like 34. I thought it was even close to 40. <laughs> but everybody was like, watch out. Cole Anthony is about to wreck the league. And his stats were not good. 38% from the field yeah. overall and not even 35% from three-point range on a team that went 14-19 and 19 when Garrison Brooks was talked about as your best player. Uh, look, love what Garrison was able to do in the time that he was with Carolina. <laughs> love might even be a strong word, but he should not be the best player on the team along with the Cole Anthony. I think Cadeau, it's a good point from Fiddy. He's not going to be asked to be the best player like Cole was, much more of a facilitator, and he's not going to chuck the way that Cole did. All right, well, with the Panthers and all the good that they did this offseason, what was Carolina's biggest off-season mistake. That and more when we come back. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.